Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight, perfect line. Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, February 23rd. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome, everyone, to a live edition. Excited to come back to you tonight after taking a Wednesday night off. We had a lot going on outside of radio and sports, so we had to to drop one night. But thanks for joining us tonight. Hopefully, we'll bring you a great show. And, Trey, hope you had a great week, man. we got a lot to cover tonight. Yeah, man, there's a lot going on. The NFL Combine obviously a big story, Tarvin. But uh, how's it going, buddy? I'm well, going good, man. I'm taking tomorrow off from work, a vacation day, a much-needed day, just uh, to rest. You know, I want to be off when everybody else is working, man. That's that's the way I like it. I don't like just holidays. I want it off, and everybody can be jealous. But Jonathan's in the studio. Jonathan, if you want in in a few minutes, whatever, press number one. We'll get you in here with us. But, Trey, man, a lot going on. Um, hope all's well with you. But let's start out and – and tell us your thoughts real quick of this combine, if you've got to watch any of it. The NFL combine started this past weekend, and were you impressed, or what? 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 What actually let you down? Which Which player let you down during this combine so far? Well, I'd say um, so far I, I've been pretty impressed. I mean, there have been, there have been guys who have let us down. I think if you talk about what you expected, I mean. Uh, C. Strunk out of Baylor, you know, his 40 time I thought was less than he, what he should have had. Uh, then some guys have really impressed me. I mean, the kid, uh, Dry Archer out of Kent State, uh, blazing, almost taking down the official record for the NFL Combine. And for, for those of you who don't know, Tarvin, uh, I know you do, but for those of our listeners who don't know, the Combine is trying to keep in stats on this. Official, you know, you see the unofficials go up on Twitter. Uh, those are terribly inaccurate. They always have been. Uh, but they started keeping sort of computerized official uh, 40 times and that kind of stuff in 1999. So we're talking about these records that are all from 1999 and Ford. Uh, but Dry Archer almost took it down, Carvin. He, uh, you know, Chris Johnson of the Tennessee Titans holds the record, and uh, Archer took a 4.26. Uh, so very close to, to uh, Chris Johnson's 4.24. I mean, that was incredible. I don't know if you had to saw, see him run. We posted that tweet. Uh, he was burning, Tarvin. Yeah, and, you, you know, I put something on Facebook with Ontario McCaleb, and, and somebody told me, or, or I thought I heard this, and I wasn't trying to exaggerate, but his unofficial time last year, I thought someone said it was a 4-1, and I know you said that would have broke the record, but the rumor at the time was he did, but his, his results came back, and it was like a 4-3, so I don't want to – put that on Facebook and make y'all think that I really believe that. That's just that was that was actually what what was said last year, I believe, in the unofficial time. We have Jonathan with us right quick, Trey. Jonathan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing tonight? Wonderful. 
Good, buddy. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted about, to clarify the 40 times really quick. Sorry, go ahead, man. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify on the 40 times really quick. Um, from what I heard from Bill Polian, of, of all people, he said that the unofficial times are the, how they actually ran it, and the official time is after they adjust it for what, uh, what would be on the field, the track speed, uh, because when you're running the 40 times at the combine, they say the field isn't uh, necessarily game quality. It's you know designed for you to look faster than you would be on a game field. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, here's the deal. I mean, these guys are – excuse me, I, I have my headphones in wrong. Sorry, guys. No wonder I was having trouble hearing. But, I mean, the 40 times are close, Trey. When, when you look at these 40 times, the unofficial and official, they're not way off, are they? I mean, they, they can be. And, Jonathan, I, you know, you could be right. And Bill Polian, he knows football better than I do. But according to, you know, I was going off the Combine's website. I tell you, if you're a draft fanatic and you like this kind of stuff, the Combine's website has actually a very good record, and it shows all kind of stuff. It tells you, breaks down uh, the drills they do um, and, you know, sort of the – the history of it, you know, computerized, and the, if you, there's some lore uh, from Bo Jackson back in the early '80s. He apparently has the best combine uh, sort of ever, Tarvin. So there's your Auburn connection with a 4.12. Uh, so I know I'm a Caleb and a 4.1. If Bo Jackson's the fastest ever, I think Bo may have been the fastest human that, that we've seen in our generation. Uh, and then of course Neon Dion had a 4 uh, 4.27 back in the '80s as well. So some of these guys, of course, uh, back in the day, Tarvin, uh, were pretty fast still. So we can't forget about those guys. But 4.26 for this, uh, this kid at Kent State, Tarvin, he is going to get drafted earlier, a lot earlier than he would have. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know some of these guys, Tarvin, are probably going to fall a little bit, especially Kadeem Carey, who came in a, a slower than we all expected out of him. Uh, that was a big disappointment. But Tarvin, one of the ones that uh, I think surprised me, and maybe it didn't surprise uh, you guys, and Jonathan, maybe you want to weigh in on this, but the kid out of Stanford who I, I expected was just a, a huge, slow, he didn't, he never looked fast to me on tape or when we watched the games, but Tyler Gaffney came in at a 4.49, which was, that's his official time, and, you know, we're talking about a lot of guys came in a lot slower than him uh, who were supposed to be burners, including DeAnthony Thomas at 4.50. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that, that Trey Mason, you know, unofficial was four four. I thought that he would, he could get a four four. You know, his four five was his official time. I was hoping he could get a little faster than that. But I'll tell you this: tell me what you think, Trey, about Carlos Hyde, official four point six two. Is that going to deter anyone from drafting him? I mean, Carlos Hyde's an NFL ready running back right now. I don't think that's going to deter anyone. Yeah, I mean, 4-6-6, man, I mean, you got to think about, I mean, you know, him and Kadeem Carey at 4-7. Uh, I mean, just these guys, you expected better. I mean, that doesn't mean they're not going to get drafted, Tarvin. I mean, nobody's saying that. I mean, Jeremy Hill, 4-6-6 as well from LSU. I mean, that's a guy who looks like he can play in the NFL. I mean, there's other guys out there who, when you look at their college uh, performance, you just you, you have a feel they're going to be okay in the NFL. But when you see their speeds in these 40 times, there are some guys who might be a little concerning. Uh, and some of the guys who just overperformed, perhaps. I mean, obviously there are guys who broke uh, sort of speed records um, in, in this combine who we, don't really, we haven't really heard a whole lot from. 
I mean, sense. But, I mean, the one thing is for sure, Tarvin, if you get below a 4-3, and there's been, what, 19 guys who've got an official below a 4-3 um, since 1999, they've all been drafted. So, so you're going to get drafted. These guys are going to get drafted. That's almost a guarantee there. And all hey, Jonathan, I, got a, I, have a, I have a question for you, Jonathan. I mean, as a quarterback, would you be embarrassed that an off several offensive linemen beat your forty times? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're a quarterback and your offensive line runs faster forty than you, there's a problem. <laughs> AJ McCarron with a four nine one, um, and uh, Greg Robinson guys with a four point eight. I mean, Trey, how in the world can a three hundred and forty pound lineman outrun a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, man, I uh, I am shocked uh, how, how slow AJ. Think, think about this, man. AJ McCarron could hand the ball off and, and get, follow, sort of follow his running back through the hole and have one of his offensive linemen you know, running down. I mean, that, that's pretty much what that means. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. And you look at the forty times a quarterback, Jonathan Connor Shaw, not surprised. Number one, Johnny Manziel, number two. But I guess Logan Thomas there at number three, he's a little faster than expected, right? Yeah, I, I was really surprised by Logan Thomas. The speed that he showed wasn't uh, really anticipating that. Watching him in college, he never seemed like one of those Bernard-type guys, and apparently he's got some jets to him. You know, the fact that he beat out Todd Boyd, who I thought, I thought Todd Boyd had more speed than Logan Thomas. Yeah, and, and Trey, I don't, I don't know if this surprised you or not, but I have more reps in the bench press. I have better reps than Jadavian Clowney, man. What do you think about that? <laughs> hey, I'm sure you did, buddy. I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, 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 look at his work ethic. You know, they, they talk about Clowney's work ethic and everything, and you're telling me a man this size can't outdo that. What do you have, like 20, 27 reps, or was it less than that? 21. was less. Yeah, 21. 21. Miami's punter had more than him. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, Trey, man. I mean, if you're clowny, I mean, I know you have long arms, okay? I know that. But should you be getting outlifted by a punter if you're clowny trying to be the first overall pick? I mean, that is a little bit embarrassing. You know what's from that, from that punter? He's probably walking around going, what, boy, what? <laughs> He's a, that kid's probably walking around to everybody going, you know, I'm the man. But uh, yeah, that that is that is a little bit disappointing for Clowney. And I tell you, you talk about you know reps and, and crazy abilities during the during these drills. I mean, your boy out of Auburn, man, he came out with some freakish times today. Uh, some athleticism. I think Greg Robinson uh, is going to possibly be a guy at number one or number two. I mean, he's been that impressive in, in this combine. And, and who knows, Tarvin? I mean, maybe Clowney's moving himself off that list. I don't know. Yeah, and if you look at sure things almost, I mean, Jake Matthews out of Texas A&M, a four-year starter, he's shown more than, than Robinson has, I guess. He's, he's played longer, and he's he's done a lot of pass blocking where Robinson's more of a, a rush blocker. Jonathan, I mean, you couldn't go wrong with getting Matthews or Robinson with that first pick, and I think one of them's going to gonna grab it. I think you're right. Um, you know, and it comes really comes down to St. Louis. I think Houston is much as they're hemming and hawing and trying to tell us otherwise, I think they're going to go quarterback. So it really sets up an interesting uh, debate with St. Louis on whether they uh, want to draft Jake Matthews, who 
played right tackle for three years for moving over to the left side, or do they want to go after Robinson, who doesn't have um, the the same amount of playing time, but athletically he's much much better than Matthews. You know, it creates really really great debate on either one. And Robinson came out today, you know, or yesterday, and said, you know, my goal is to be the number one offensive lineman drafted, and that's nowhere near out of the realm of possibility. I, I, he, he really impressed me with his 40 times bench reps. I, I was stunned by how amazing this kid was. You guys really had something at left tackle. Well, Trey, I mean, the worst offensive lineman in the draft, tell me if this surprises you in the 40, Cyrus Quandro for Alabama. He looked like he's been in Dunkin' Donuts since, uh, <laughs> since the Iron Bowl. I saw him in the Oklahoma game. He runs a – uh, amazing 5.53. Give us your, your thoughts about Cyrus Quanjo. His weightlifting was off, too. He was down in that. Now he can't run. Where's he going to end up going? Well, I mean, he's going to go in the first round. But, I mean, the the one thing that we saw this year was a great speed rusher can beat him. And, you know, sometimes the NFL draft and the combine means something. And sometimes it doesn't. I mean, the guy's still going to be a great run blocker in the NFL, but he's he's had a liability in the pass rush. So we'll have to see. I mean, perhaps to an NFL scout that means something in this regard, and perhaps it doesn't. I don't, I, what it means to me, Tarman, is, is he may slip out of the top ten. I mean, it, uh, he, he had a shot to be inside that top ten. But I'll tell you, Jonathan, I, I don't think the Rams keep their pick, by the way. We're talking about the Rams' pick. I think they're going to trade it. We'll have to see. But uh, I think Greg Robinson, Tarvin, uh, if the Rams do keep it, and if this, this doesn't become a quarterback top five, I think you might definitely see uh, some movement for him up. You have to. You, you, you have to get an offensive lineman if you keep that at, at St. Louis, Jonathan. I mean, you look at this mm-hmm. team right now. They need to protect Bradford. They need to – I mean, they have the defense, it looks like. They have the receiver. They have the quarterback. Maybe a, but a running back they can't take. Any any chance that St. Louis drafts anything other than an offensive lineman if they take that – if they keep the pick? Um, a court, If you listen to Mel Kuyper and – all those other so-called experts. Uh, yeah, apparently, you know, there's still the rumblings of Sammy Watkins. I mean, how many receivers is St. Louis gonna, is going to draft in the first and second round? Uh, this is starting to, you know, bring back memories of Matt Mill in Detroit. But, you know, that, that's the debate, Trey, and, you, you know, it, it's a great debate. Is, do they keep the pick? Because if they do keep the pick, we all know they're going to take an offensive lineman. Roger Saffold, their starting right tackle, who was their starting left tackle before they signed Jake Long, is leaving in free agency. Jake Long tore his ACL at the end of the season, so they need to bring somebody in who can, you know, play left tackle until Long comes back or play right tackle. And that's why Matthews might actually be a better fit is because he can he has played both, whereas Robinson, he just looks like a pure left. I, I'm surprised you guys forgot about this. Cyrus Quanjo failed multiple physicals at the Combine. I mean, we gotta, think, think about how his draft stock has plummeted since the Super Bowl. He's not a first-round pick in my mind. Is he yours? Because of the need of offensive tackle, I think he is. But it's going to be somebody late. I mean, like Arizona or Miami late. Because uh, I mean, now the question is, hey, he's failing physicals, and they're blending on a botched surgery on his knees, so is he going to be healthy? If he is going to be healthy, are his feet going to come back, or is he going to be slow? Do they have to move him inside? I there's so many question marks with Quanzo that he should fall in the second round. 
there, there's, you know, the talent's there, but can his body actually hold up? Unlike D. Ford, your boy at Auburn, where all the talent in the world, but everybody's saying, well, you're too short. And then he comes out and takes on Clowney. I mean, what D. Ford said today, I was really impressed uh, how he came out and went after essentially the NFL GMs and said, y'all need to stop using a measuring stick. All right, just because I'm 6'2", doesn't mean I can't, I can't play football well. Look at Mathis, look at Von Miller, Elvis Dumerville. Why is everybody all over Clowney? I look better on game film. And if you look, Jonathan, at D. Ford, let's talk about him just for a second. He he actually started developing later in his career. You know, he got with the right coaches. Maybe he matured. You know, he was finally healthy. D. Ford is one of the most explosive players on the defensive side of the ball that I've seen. I mean, Clowney, you know, mm-hmm. number one, he's been there. But D. Ford's not too far away. And D. Ford said that he's better than Clowney today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, watching some film and realizing that Ford's been kind of nicked up, you know, he looked much more impressive, and, you know, you keep hearing the rumblings. Clowney's lazy. Clowney doesn't have a work ethic, mm-hmm. and it just reminds me of Julius Peppers. And, you know, Julius Peppers has all the, had all the potential in the world, amazing athletic freak, could dominate games, yet he knew he was so good that he would take half the game off. And Clowney, it seems like he's going to fall into the same trap, which opens the door for guys like D. Ford who are hungry and want to prove that they are the best defensive end and not be handed the title like Clowney has been. Well, Jonathan, you know what bothered me. And, Trey, if you're back, are you back, Trey? Yeah, I never left, buddy. Okay, I thought you muted yourself. I'm going to ask you a question about Clowney's comment today, what he said. He said he wished the Falcons would trade up. I think the Falcons have, what, the fourth pick in the draft. Clowney said he wishes Atlanta would trade up to draft him. So is is that arrogance in his comment? I mean, do you think it was out of line? What do you think about his comments today? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first player to position themselves for the team they want to play for. I mean, heck, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. I mean, there's a lot of guys who did that. I mean, so, you know, he's not doing it in a way that's saying, I won't sign with anybody, but he is kind of making his indications clear who he wants to, wants to play for. Obviously, he still wants to be the number one pick. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like he's definitely volleying for, uh, to be in a Falcons uniform. Well, I, I have no problem with Clowney guy. I mean, his work ethic's one thing, but look, he's a, he's a freak when it comes to pass rushing. He's going to be a great NFL player, but he hasn't done anything really to help his, improve his stock, in my opinion. And when you, when like Jonathan said, that that work ethic's being questioned, he's lazy, and, and when you're when you're picking somebody number one overall, it has to be a lock, really. There can't be any any doubt, and that's why I, I doubt Manziel's going to go. I don't know about Clowney, but if you start looking at it, Bridgewater trade could could be with Houston. If Houston keeps that pick and they go quarterback, I could see him taking Teddy Bridgewater over Johnny Manziel. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something right now, Parvin. Based on, yeah, you know, I've been kind of went back. I've looked at some of the some of the games and and, and look at stuff from the combine. I've reevaluated, I guess, my the, the three quarterbacks who are up there in the top. Uh, right now, I have Blake Bortles as the best quarterback in the draft. I think the comparison that I've heard good people make on him is Ben Roethlisberger at his best, which is which is a pretty good comparison. If Bortles can sort of uh, you know get his game down, he, he looks like Big Ben in a lot of ways, being six five and the way he moves. Uh, number two, I actually have Johnny Manziel over Bridgewater as well. I know Manziel came in under six foot. 
Only two quarterbacks in the history of the NFL draft who have been below six foot have gone in the first round. So it would be a little bit, um, you know, of a coup for Johnny Manziel to go this high, but he is going to go that high. And the guy who I just, to be honest, Tarver, I just, I'm still doubting his ability, and, and he reminds me a little bit of you know Smith is Teddy Bridgewater. See, uh, if I was rating my quarterbacks right now, Jonathan, I'll let you rate your top three. I would have Bridgewater at number one. I would have Manziel at two and, and Bortles at three. What about you? Well, I love what Bortles brings to the table and his athleticism uh, from being as big as he is. And Bridgewater showed at uh, Louisville that he could control offenses, could call plays at a line of scrimmage, things like that were great. But i got to tell you guys, I love Johnny Manziel. You know, watching him in college, did he, you know, without Mike Evans, would Manziel have been that successful? Probably not. I mean, there were a bunch of times where he just threw it up and, you know, Mike, you know, made the ultimate prayer catches that we've seen Larry Fitzgerald do in Calvin Johnson. But I, I just like the way Manziel has a grasp on the game. It never seems like the game really slips away from him. Um you know, then I would put Bortles number two because he's shown that grit to come back and win. We saw it multiple times last year, the comeback win over Penn State, the comeback win over Louisville. But even against Baylor, that offense stalled for a little bit and then just blew it off the hinges. And I would have Bridgewater three. And I can't really find too much wrong with Bridgewater. I mean, he's got phenomenal accuracy on his throws most of the time. You know, as with any quarterback, not every time. Uh, I can't really question his arm strength, but there's just something about the way he plays. It's almost like when he gets a lead, he gets lax in day school, and that bothers me. You know, I, I want a quarterback who's going to continue to kill like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees. Uh, and I just don't see that in Teddy Bridgewater. So that's why I have him number three, but it's all really, really close. I mean, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. Yeah, and if you're Houston, Trey, and you want to stick with a quarterback and you get Manziel, you can't go wrong, really, with any of those quarterbacks we named, but – being in Texas, how much is that going to benefit Houston? I mean, how many tech? I mean, the season tickets for Houston. I mean, the, the, it'll be un, ungettable. You won't be able to get a season ticket if you draft this guy. You know, the interesting thing, and you know, Jonathan said we're splitting hairs, and I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, Jonathan, you could be right. I still think Bridgewater just reminds me way too much Geno Smith, and I don't, I don't think Geno Smith's going to be a pro. Uh, he's going to be, you know, a Hall of Famer, or going to be somebody very successful. I think Bortles has a shot to be very good. I mean, there's somewhat a playoff winner, uh, the guy who has his team, you know, um, and probably, I guess it's hard, I guess he has the best shot to be good very early and be sort of like Ben, ben was uh, and taking his team to the playoffs early. I think Menzel, I've heard of the Favre rumors and that kind of stuff, and that's just obviously we all kind of thought that when they played reckless at times. But you got to remember, Tarvin, Favre took a lot – a lot of time, a lot of effort, and some years to actually get good in the pros. To start off with Atlanta, and I think people mm-hmm. who may expect Manziel to have immediate success—I mean, he may not, Carvin. So I think Manziel may be a little bit of a project to be good in the NFL, but he has that ability. I think Bridgewater—I'm uh, not so sure if he's going to be good in the NFL, and I think Bortles may have the best chance to be good immediately. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, I'm hearing a cell phone from somebody. Could y'all mute it? Somebody's getting their text right. messages lit up, lit up or something. So if y'all could please mute that. It's, it's, right. it's not enough having a it's not enough having a dog bark in the background on my part. So <laughs> please help my nerves tonight. Um, but guys, I'm gonna follow this combine and we'll talk more about it Wednesday night. But it's it's gonna be interesting to see 
I mean, this is a loaded draft. I'm excited to see. There's so many great players in this draft. A lot of decisions to be made. There's a lot of pressure up at the top if you're thinking about who to draft. So if you're ever in doubt, why not trade? But, guys, let's move to basketball real quick. I want to talk about college basketball. Um, Trey, did you get to see Duke-Syracuse last night? Yeah, I watched, uh, obviously, some of it. I didn't see the end, and I had to go back on Sports Center and then watch it on YouTube. Uh, the end, uh, which which is a little crazy, a little crazy. Well, as an official myself, watching this game as a coach, everything as a player, that that call at the end, the charge call, honestly could have gone either way. When I first saw it, I said, well, that was a charge. Then when I started looking at it in slow motion, slow motion and watching it, his foot wasn't set all the way. Jonathan, I'll start with you. Did the referee make the right call? In the heat of the moment, it's really hard to make a decision there. And, you know, like you, when I first saw it, I was like, ooh, that's a charge. Um, but I, if it's really close like that, I, you know, maybe I'm a little old school, but I fall back on the philosophy of it, you really can't make a decision between the two. No call, let it go. Yeah, I mean, that's close. But, but Trey, the, the problem I have with this is Jim Beheim the way he rushed onto the court, only down by two points with 10, 10 plus, what, 10.2 seconds, gets two technical fouls and ejected. Now his team loses by six. Falls to Beheim. I mean, he's a veteran coach. Why would you come out on the court and get ejected from the game at a time like this? Yeah, I mean, that's the, I think that's the take home that I was thinking of as well. I mean, I, you know, I kind of thought it was the right call at first. I mean, when I saw it, and replays, and I, you know, then I, I'm like you guys. I didn't really know at the end of it what I really thought, and I still don't. But I will say that you know, Beheim doing that and really taking this team out of it. I mean, this is a great three-point shooting team. The Syracuse Orangemen are, and they had a shot to win this game, but they you know, completely taken out of it. Um, by the way, you know, Beheim did. I mean, so it just surprised me that a coach, you know, uh, such as him, lost his cool like that. And the problem I have is he never apologized for it. Even today, he said he was he wouldn't he'd do it next week. He'd do it a month from now. That's the thing, Jonathan. If a player had a had done this, got two technical fouls with his team, and you know, close to winning a ball game, still in it. I mean, he would be suspended, don't you think? Yeah, I, you know, and that's that's where, you know, I, and CJ Ferris said it best last night. Where you know he he didn't really point the finger at his coach, but he did and. He goes, we were still in it until the technicals. And you're like, oh, well, even your own players are kind of getting at you, um, you know, coach. I mean, Mark, if, if any other player does that, it's an automatic suspension. You know, I don't understand why Bayheim at this point doesn't just come out and say, that was my bad, I shouldn't have let it, you know, get to me. And I don't know, maybe if that was some pent-up frustration from not only the Boston College loss, but the fact that his offense really struggled to shoot that whole game. And Trey, you know, a lot of people on Syracuse this year talk about how great they are. I mean, have you changed your opinion of them the last two games? They lost at home to Boston College. Then they go on the road. They lose their composure, lose at Duke. Are you are you worried if you're a Syracuse fan? Are you are you getting concerned that this team may have peaked too early? No, I mean, I don't think they peaked too early. I mean, they, they've gotten the loss out of the way. I think the Boston College loss was probably more – of just a long season, you're bound to lose to somebody. Um, the Duke loss was, I mean, that, that was a great game. I mean, Duke top five teams. You can't really argue with them losing in Cameron Indoor to Duke. I mean, Duke can beat anybody. So that loss doesn't scare me away on Syracuse. I mean, the Boston College loss 
Uh, that could have gone either way. A lot of top five teams have had very close games against very bad teams. I mean, Florida's been winning there, so that's why they're going to be number one because um, they they seem to they've been scraping by these sort of bottom of the, you know bottom of the barrel teams. But Syracuse didn't, and so I think they're still a tournament team, which is good. We'll have to see now. If they lose another one or two, Tarvin, they might be in trouble. But they just got too much talent for me to think that they've you know they've peaked and they're not, they're not going to be you know any good in their postseason. So if you'd like to join us tonight, please call in 646-716-5564, 646-716-5564. We were having a little issue with the chat room. It looks like it's resolved now. I see a couple in there. Paul Ewing, welcome to the show, buddy. Glad to see you back. And I just have a, I've been struggling with now since Syracuse lost two in a row. And I'll start with you, Jonathan. I've been struggling with who's number one. Should it be Wichita State? Uh, final four team last year that's perfect this year, or a senior-ridden Florida team that I mean they they have a lot of seniors they've they've had somewhat of a tougher schedule, and they've lost two games. I'm I'm going back and forth. I had Florida earlier, but I'm changing it, Jonathan, right now to Wichita State as the number one team. I think they've earned that so far, even though their schedule is not very strong. The performance last year and then not losing this year, they have to get credit for that. I agree with you. I think Wichita State deserves to be number one team. And for everybody who's going to be up and uproar over this and yelling and screaming and kicking, it's college basketball polls. I mean, come on, let's be honest, guys. This is not the BCS. This is not an indicator of how the final matches are going to be. They have this thing called a 68-team tournament to figure out who the best team is at the end of the day or the hottest team at the time in some years. You know, so I think Wichita State being 29-0, you know, with a great win at at uh, St. Louis, they beat BYU, they beat uh, Tennessee, they went to Alabama and won. I mean, you can't hold it against them that Creighton up and left the conference. They've dominated their conference. They played a great season. You know, like you said, off a Final Four run, I think they deserve this number one spot just from the standpoint they're the lone undefeated team at this point in the season. Last time we saw one get this deep was, I believe, Memphis in 2007. Uh, they lost the championship game to Kansas off Marlo Chalmers' uh, three-pointer. And Trey, you know, you look at Wichita State, a team that, you know, I mean, everybody talks about their schedule, but you look at Florida's, and we've talked about the strength of the SEC this year. You saw Kentucky almost lose at home in overtime to LSU last night. And, and besides really Kentucky and Florida, there's really nobody in the SEC, in my opinion, so – are you going to put Wichita State number one, or are you going to put Florida? Well, I mean, I agree with Jonathan. I think it's semantic at this point. But, I mean, I like I like rewarding teams that are undefeated. It's not as Wichita State is the, you know, in, in some terrible conference. I mean, this is a conference that's created a lot of noise in the tournament. They're, they're proven in that. The thing that, that I do like about Florida, despite having two losses, you know they got the, they're number three overall in our RPI right now, so that's pretty darn good. Uh, they're thirtieth in strength of schedule, and and you know they they've proven themselves a little bit. They you know that they've played in a little bit of a tougher conference. Uh, I think the uh, I think yeah I think the SEC is about three spots over Wichita State's conference. So I mean you're talking about um, you know it's not as if you have uh, like the Big Twelve who's you know number one in RPI for a for a conference this year, you know, a team like them with two losses. I mean, it, it's close, Tarvin. It's very close right now. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, Tarvin, I mean, you're talking about two teams probably I mean, number one seeds. I and mean, so, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
But look, in the, if when the tournament gets here, I'm going to take Billy Donovan. I'm going to take those seniors in big games. How far did it, did Florida make it to the Elite Eight last year? I think they made it. Yes. Okay, but this team has been there close in the tournament. They 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 know what it takes to to get to that final four. I think now. So if if this was a neutral site game, Florida and Wichita State in the final four, I'm taking Florida. I mean, there's probably no mm-hmm. doubt about that. But I'm but I'm saying mm-hmm. today, who deserves to be number one? And and I think you have to look at Wichita State from what they did last year to now, undefeated. They're the only undefeated basketball team. I mean, that's saying something. And Trey's right. You have to reward those guys. So I'm rewarding him with my number one pick. Just wanted to throw that out there. And, Trey, I don't know if you got to see Kansas last night, but this team is starting to look very scary. They beat they beat Texas by 30-plus points at home. This game was over at halftime. And that's for you, Trey. Yeah, sorry. I couldn't get myself off mute. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is Kansas is peaking right now, and their freshman, Andrew Wiggins, who – broke Florida State Park when he, you know, did not choose Florida State last year, mm. is really starting to come into his own. I mean, this kid is – he struggled uh, in the earlier part of the year. He had folks saying, well, you know, Jabari Parker, better player, better draft spot. You know, this Andrew Wiggins, who's supposed to be the next LeBron James, you know, he's not there. And then all of a sudden, Tarvin, it's like he turned on a switch a couple of weeks ago and has been like – out. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, Kansas is one of those teams I think people are going to have to pay attention to uh, when it comes tournament time. They have every, they have what it takes to uh, make a Final Four push this year. Oh, well, Kansas always does. It's whether or not Bill Self can actually uh, coach them to it. We've seen Kansas fall on their face before Northern Iowa. You know, but like Trey was saying, Andrew Wiggins has just absolutely turned the switch on um, you know, he was always been athletic, and that was the one thing was, you know, he's a great athlete. You know, we're just waiting for the other parts of his game to come around. And my goodness, this Kansas team, I mean, with him and Embiid, very scary-looking team right now. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys got to see uh, Louisville and Cincinnati yesterday. Great game. Louisville, it's just some, something about Rick Pitino when it gets down to this time of year. Uh, Trey, looks, he's just one of the best coaches ever, man, Rick Pitino. And I can't remember – Correct me on the name of Cincinnati's coach. Help me out here right now. What's his name? Oh. I can't remember, but I'm going to tell you that this Cincinnati coach, coach. Yeah, I can't oh. he will not be at Cincinnati much longer. Probably one of the – he could be a top 10 or 12 coach right now in college. I mean, he's a, he's a great coach. He's perfect fit for Cincinnati right now, but I think he's flying under the radar. But Louisville's that team, Trey, that, that they just seem to be, you know – saving it for the tournament or something. Team's got a lot of talent. Are you going to take them serious when it comes to tournament time? Well, I, I think, yeah, absolutely you are. I mean, uh, Mick Cronin, that's his name. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, Thank you're you. going to have to take them seriously. And the thing is, there are two teams. You know, some of these teams who got sort of left behind in the AAC for basketball, I think people are going to are forgetting about it. Uh, so, you know, the one thing that you got, you have to remember is Cincinnati and UConn, who are left behind, I think people are sleeping on them right now in Tarvin. And when they get to the tournament, uh, they could be dangerous. I mean, this, these are teams that are, are pretty darn good in talent uh, for basketball. So we'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot of teams 
Uh, I mean, you talk about the, you know, it makes the Elite Eight and that kind of stuff. I mean, look at the 10, the 10 through 20 spot right now in your AP basketball poll, and I guarantee two or three of them are going to be from that range. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun tournament this year, and, and like I've said before, I know you all are tired of hearing about it, Kentucky, if, and that's the word if, they can they can learn how to play together just a little bit more and get better guard play. They could make a run in this tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see. There's two teams in the SEC that have a shot, and and after that, it, it doesn't really matter. But North Carolina, Jonathan, they're starting to play a little better basketball right now. Tell us what it's going to take for them to make, maybe make a sweet 16. Um, they're going to need to figure it out. I mean, this is a team where they need to be an underdog in almost every game, it seems, to come out on top. We've seen it time and time again this year. When, you know, when they play Michigan State, when they play Louisville, Kentucky, Duke, you know, they come out and they'll blitz you and just, you know, embarrass you. But at the same time, they'll go play UAB and get spunked. It's very confusing uh, with UNC, you know, and, and it's going to really depend on their bracket alignment, as of, you know, almost every team. But UNC is going to have to get in a bracket where, unfortunately, they're probably going to have to be seated a little lower so that they can surprise some people. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really like Roy Williams right now at North Carolina. I think, Trey, it, it could be time for a change for this guy. What do you think? I mean, it seems like they've gotten worse every year he's been there. Well, I mean, there is something to say that's about consistency, but they still are recruiting pretty darn well. So, and i got to think that uh, one of the things that he's going to have to find is, I mean, remember his best player got kicked off the team this year. It would have, have been a different – I can't remember that guy's name, but uh, – It'd be a different team if their best player wasn't kicked off for disciplinary reasons. And in basketball, it really matters. Well, guys, let's switch it off of basketball a minute. I want some. We're going to talk some NFL and a couple of things I want to talk about before we go tonight. And want to make sure we cover. And and Trey, I'll start with you. I don't know what you think about the NFL now. They're they're coming out with a penalty for using the N word on the field and. Players will be fine. Coaches, 15 yards for each time they say it. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, you know, I've always said this, Carvin, that saying the word ninja on the field is, is completely inappropriate. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw that too, man, and I joke about it. But it, it's, it's a weird uh, – it's going to be weird, weird to enforce, I guess. I mean, because you're going to have to be pretty darn clear that, I mean, that it was said. You're going to people saying, I didn't say that. I, I don't know. Like it's it's just weird to me because there's no other there's no other word that the NFL has tried to ban on the field for this. Um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. It's going to be one of those weird. I mean, can you imagine what the refs going to have to do? You know, I mean, he's going to have to get up there. What's the hand signal going to be for this? Yeah, I, I don't look, Jonathan. I, I want to know, and and I've heard debates about this. If white people say it, I mean, it's bad. If black people say it, it's okay. Uh, but there's there's two words. One ends with an A, and the other one, you know, you know that word. Is there a difference? I mean, are the officials going to let let people say it ending with an A than the other word, or is it going to just be that one word? You think? I think if you're going to enforce this rule, you have to get rid of both. You know, and that's that was an interesting debate that I was having with uh, one of my buddies was how are how are the black players going to react when they get, you know, a 15-yard unfortunate like dropping, you know, the end bomb? Well, I said it was an eight. 
Uh, it still means the same thing, no matter how you want to look at it, man. I can say cracker or cracker either way. It's the same thing. You know, and, and that, that's where it's going to mention how it's policed. And I can just imagine the first game where they go to institute this rule, there's going to be at least five of those penalties. Cause, you know, it's almost second nature um, in the locker room nowadays, you know, that word. And coming from a high school locker room where I heard that almost every other word from, you know, some of my teammates. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this is actually policed. Well, Trey, you know, I mean, how are they going to do it if they hear it? Are they, you know, how personal fouls they announce the team, the number. So imagine some guy says this, his, his number is announced, the media is going to have a field day right after this game, and now this guy is going to be labeled a racist. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know how it's going to be actual enforcement going to go. It'll be something that we'll watch pretty closely in the preseason, you know. And I, I did that watch something in the preseason because I mean, this is going to be I mean, just how it's getting getting gets enforced, you know, what the reaction is for those players who get dimed out. I mean, because you're right. I mean, there's going to be some sort of hand signal for the for the ref who's going to do it. He's going to say, you know, unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct number 92, and then there's going to be a phrase and a hand signal that goes with it, and we're all going to know. So. You know, it's, it'll be interesting to see not only how it gets enforced and how often it gets enforced, but then what's the reaction, what are the questions in the locker room from reporters afterwards. I mean, is it going to be – I mean, I don't know, man. If it's like 100 times a game, I think people are going to be shocked. Jonathan, I don't know about you, and I'm just – I'm thinking they're taking this just a little too far. And maybe I'm wrong, and I'm not saying this to be derogatory towards anything. I mean – are they taking it a little too far with this? Well, it's kind of, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's kind of like the WWE, where they're not, you know, they're censoring you now because, you know, they're micing up the football players left and right. The last thing you need to do is have a football player mic'd up, you know, somebody slip on the center box. Next thing you know, that, you know, that word's flying all over, you know, TV, and everybody's like, oh, crap, and now we have a whole new storm. So I don't know if the NFL is trying to cut it, you know, trying to just chop this one and hopefully players encourage themselves. I, this whole bullying scandal, if you want to call it that, has really opened the door for a lot of these odd rules to start popping in that you, everybody's going to scratch their head and, you know, you're going to have to contingent say, well, it needs to be done because we need to be actual human beings and grown men and not immature children. Yeah, and Trey, I think they need to start the management of these teams. They need to start, you know, educating these guys and, and taking care of it before it even gets out there on the field. People need to Treat people with respect. I don't think they need a 15-yard penalty for that, but I think it just shows, you know, the NFL's taking this more serious, you know, about you see all this stuff with Incognito and, and, and what was the other guy's name at Philly, the receiver from Florida that, 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 that did that this year. But I think everybody needs to quit using the word, Trey. I, I think white people don't need to use it. I don't think black people need to use it. It just needs to be removed from the language of everyone. Well, I, mean, I agree with you on that one. I, don't, I think it's just, I mean, I've never heard anyone say it. Um, and the, the, me thought well of them, no matter who they are, I guess. You know, whether it's, oh, it's just my friend. And, and believe me, I, I've heard it a lot from different races to each other. You know, I've heard it used anger. You know, in anger, I've heard it used in race. So, you know, I just, I've never thought, hey, that's, that's a cool way to do that. I've always thought, you know, I don't really like that. Yeah, I'd prefer, I'd prefer it not to be around me. Yeah, but in playing sports all my life, I've heard it on the court. You play basketball, guys. 
you know you hear that word a lot. I hear it. I hear it just doing rec ball, school ball right now, Jonathan. It's insane. Like how many players, black, white, it doesn't matter, use that word. So, well, you know, yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, coming from what people consider a small town in Florida, you know, on the football team, like, like I said, every other word, like, like, you know, some of my teammates, and you're looking at me, you're like, come on, man. I mean, you're, you're really making this somewhat uncomfortable because at this point all the white kids are sitting there and they're like, what are we supposed to? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to look down, look the other way, because it, it just makes a really uncomfortable atmosphere when the word is used. It, it really does, and people seem to forget that. Yeah, you're right. And I just wanted to touch on this, guys. If you'd like to call in, anybody out there, six four six seven one six five five six four, please do so. Paul, I see you in the studio. If you want to get in, press number one. But I want to talk about this topic, staying in the NFL right quick, guys. And this is a more serious topic to me. And I heard Colin Coward mentioning it the other day. Um, and I started thinking about it as well. We we heard Michael Stam came out and said he was gay. And there was an uproar about this. You know, people were upset. They were didn't know what to do. They were uncomfortable. But Ray Rice knocks his fiance out cold. And nobody's talking about this, Jonathan. I mean, what is it? Why is this acceptable that Ray Rice beat up his fiance, knocked her out cold, and nobody's talking about it? Because he's become used to it. Unfortunately, um, in, in the sports world, he's, uh, you know, we, we've become used to domestic violence all the way back to it's just almost like a part of American history. Martin Luther King was known to beat around his wife and, you know, uh, you've heard other people, you know, who with with claims behind who? it. Uh, Hank Aaron, who? apparently, who? Martin Luther King. I'm so, okay, you said Martin Ray Luther Wright. King used to beat his wife? Yeah, that, that was, that that's apparently part of the history lesson. We've heard Hank Aaron, we've heard Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent. Um, I, you know, you hear in baseball all the time, which blows my mind. And, and it just, get, it, it's almost like we've become desensitized to domestic violence. And, that, and that's become a problem when domestic violence gets swept under the rug. But, like you said, Michael Sam coming out about his sexuality uh, is a huge deal. Or even, you know, Jadavian Clowney saying, I want to be traded to the Falcons as a headline. Okay. Well, I, I never, I didn't hear that. Uh, Paul says we're getting a little racist on this show right now. So I hope you guys don't think so. I don't think we've said anything out of the way. Do you, Trey? I, I certainly haven't. I, I tell you, Carmen, about this story, though, to get back on your question, is, um, you know, I, I have heard people who are upset about it. Now, uh, is it, you know, as earth-shattering as, you know, the Michael Sam? It's not, and I'll tell you why I think that is. It's because it's not the first time it's happened. Now, it's a, you know, it's the first time maybe with Ray Rice, but it isn't the first time that an NFL player has been involved with domestic violence. Uh, it's not the first time an NFL player gets arrested. So I mean, it makes the news, and it did make the news. But it's not something we're going to spend 24, 48, you know, you know, more, even more hours talking about. And it's not as if we're saying it's okay, Tarvin. I mean, there's no way it is. I mean, I think I've seen the, the video. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have too. But it's just not a shock to our conscience anymore as a football fan. Well, it, sh- it shouldn't be about football. And, and let me tell you, I mean, the thing is, Colin Coward was talking that people were emailing 99% of the people. There wasn't many emails, but he said they were defending him, saying, well, the girl, 
uh, hit him first and everything. And, and let me tell you guys out there listening, it's not cool to hit women. I don't care what the circumstance is. If if you have to hit a woman because she's hitting you, then then you need to, to check yourself, throw your man card away. There's no reason whatsoever you should hit another woman. I mean, that's the problem. This is you got Michael Sam out there admitting he's gay. People are falling apart. You've got a guy beating a woman up. And you know what? The, the sad thing is, Trey, he'll be playing for Baltimore week one when he should never mm-hmm. be able to play football again. I mean, this is ridiculous, guys. But, Trey, I'm, I'm surprised you're not outraged by it. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. One, I, I, I am in a world of criminal defense where I see – you know, I've seen worse, let's <laughs> be honest. I mean, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you talk about if I get outraged every single time that I was involved with someone who broke the law, you know, I mean, I wouldn't sleep at night. Uh, do I approve of it? And, and no way, Tarvin. Let's not be, let's not be, let's be very clear that I, I certainly don't <laughs> in any way condone what Ray Rice uh, did. Uh, but I, uh, I'm just saying, Tarvin, that it, it's not something that's so shocking to the conscience that an NFL player will be involved in this. Um, but I'll disagree with you on a point, Tarvin. And I think it, I think Ray Rice might be done. He might be released by Baltimore. I, I think it's obviously yeah. they're going to let the court system play it out. But and you can look at it, and, and maybe Baltimore does it for the, the reasons that come out from the press. They're going to look really good by releasing Ray Rice if he gets a domestic violence conviction, and I think he probably will. Uh, they didn't but hurt really, Ray Lewis. Yeah, it, yeah, they didn't hurt Ray Lewis, exactly. But uh, it is going to be really more about – they're going to, they're going to you know, high-five themselves and say, hey, we, we can't have this in our team. But it's really about Bernard Pierce, who I think is a better back on their team. So I think they're going to release Ray Rice. They're going to have safe some cap room. They're going to have a better running back on their roster starting, and then they're going to try to use it as a as this domestic violence case. But well, I, that's, I, think well, I have a question. Fine. I'm sorry, guys. I have, I have a question. Why is it – I mean, I know you said we're used to it, Jonathan, and or you or Trey said that one, that we're just so used to seeing it. Why are we so used to seeing it to where we don't even bat an eye at it anymore, especially these guys in the NFL make millions of dollars, and they're huge. Ray Rice is a, a beast. He's a machine. And you telling me it's okay to hit on a hundred pound women? And I'm, I'm, I know, I know, I know y'all didn't say it was okay, but I'm just talking about our society as a whole. You have a bigger problem with Michael Sam coming out than you do Ray Rice beating on a woman. I mean, that's where that's where I'm trying to go with this. That Michael oh. Sam story, who cares really? You know, I mean, that's his business. He's not hurting anyone. But this guy's beating up a woman. And he's playing NFL, drawing a paycheck. The guy should be behind bars. That's where he should be. He shouldn't be in the NFL. He shouldn't be walking the streets. He should be behind bars. If you can't do anything but hit a woman, you don't need to be have freedom, Jonathan. That's really all I'm saying about this. Well, you're right. I mean, well, think about it. The uh, the biggest stories, and you know, were Riley Cooper dropping the N word. Um, we, you know, Michael Vick when he got in trouble with the dog fighting. You know, and, and Michael Sam, but Dante Stallworth's, you know, DUI manslaughter got swept under the rug. Ray Rice hitting, you know, his wife's, you know, fiance, knocking her out cold and swept under the rug. It, it, it just baffles me how, you know, people just seem okay with those instances, but, you know, Riley Cooper uses a racial slur and all hell breaks loose. Michael, Michael Sam, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's homosexual and it's like, oh my God, how could you allow this? You know, yeah, God's going to strike down everybody. You're like, well, wait a second. 
I mean, we got somebody beat on their wife. You know, we had somebody who killed somebody. And Ray Lewis was an accessory to a murder. And we we just, no, no, we don't care. He used the racial slur, and he's gay. So that's obviously a bigger issue and bigger topic than, you know, create more controversy. That, that just blows my mind. You know, it, it, what really blows my mind is how NFL teams, these players, commit these crimes, and they'll welcome them back with open arms. You know, that that's what just it baffles me, how you can allow that. Yeah, and, and first of all, I want to make sure everyone knows out there that Trey does not support men beating women. Is that right, Trey? <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, you know, Tony, I mean, you're, you're bringing up an issue that it's not only in, in the NFL where a player commits a crime uh, and, and they get taken back. It happens in college football. You and I have talked about it with, you know, this kid in Alabama, DJ Pettyway. You know, you can name rosters of, of guys who got kicked off Georgia's team and played for other players. Uh, I mean, so it just, you know, there's some that deserve second chances and there are some that don't. And I don't think neither the NFL nor college seem to have a good grasp of that line right now. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good point. I just want to make sure. Paul wants to know, if, what if the woman was 220 and had arms like Puig? I said, I said you, you don't hit her, you shoot her. How does that sound, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Joke, ha, 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 ha. But it, it's just, I don't know, the moral, moral compass in this country, something's wrong with it. I mean, I don't understand. And um, I know football is a violent sport. That's okay. You can be violent on the field. Just just don't do it in the off season at a casino uh, where people can have a video of you, you hitting a woman. But we don't know the whole story either. We do not know the whole story by this about this, but my my point of view is I don't think you should ever hit a woman, especially if you're Ray Rice's size. But anyway, and let's move to college real quick, guys, before we get going. And Trey, we haven't heard Jonathan's opinion about this. Hurry up, no huddle, slowing it down. But I want his opinion on uh, Brett Bielema's comment. I don't know if you heard it, Jonathan, when he made reference to the Cal player that died, and you heard the the Cal AD come back out, and he was very pissed off about this. Tell us your thoughts. Stephen B. voted on March sixth. I I think it's going to be voted on. I think at this point it's not going to pass. Whatever chance they had of passing with Brett Bielema, I think just killed it. You know, he really needs to learn when to put the hot dog in his yeah. mouth. Because that boy, he's got some issues. I mean, does he not think before he speaks? And talk about somebody who's making millions of dollars a year. Come on, man. Really? Of all the times. You know, and it's not like the guy died from playing, being on the field. I understand he was, you know, really he was trying to point out the whole sickle cell trait, which the player passed away had. But these kids that have the sickle cell trait know that when they step on the field, that they could die at any moment. All right, that's the risk they're taking, okay? It's not because of the hurry-up offense. And to try and correlate the two is so asinine. It's beyond belief. I mean, he needs to be fired. At this point, he needs to be fired, stuck in a mental institution, and locked into a safety room. And he's become ridiculous. Trey, I think Jonathan made a good point that, you know, if, if this thing was going to be passed, if the slim chance it was going to, now that just shot it shot it down. What do you think about Bielema's comments? Well, I mean, other than being insensitive, they're also, um, well, they're just wrong. I mean, the people who know the most about sickle cell and know the most about this issue was a trainer, I think, at Oklahoma or Texas, I think it's Oklahoma, 
who is like who is the sort of the foremost expert on sickle cell. And the issue actually comes uh, for and where you need to know. And all these guys, by the way, are getting tested now. It's kind of it's a requirement. Um, the issue is practice, not necessarily during the game, because actually during the game they get far more rest than they do at practice. So the issue for sickle cell is more about forcing these guys in two days and forcing these guys to run in a hundred degree heat uh, for an hour straight. I mean, there are just issues. I don't think Billima put correctly. I think he was mis uh, from misinforming the issues about this. This just because someone died doesn't mean it's an issue uh, of a hurry up offense. It means there's an issue with conditioning and a lot of the drills that the coaches like Billima might be. You don't know, but uh, I think he was very unfortunately uh, very wrong. And you know Jonathan Saban is probably very the one most upset about this because this just killed any chance of this thing getting fast. But I don't know if you heard Spurrier's comment about the he named it the Saban rule, and uh, you gotta love Steve Spurrier. This is one guy that he doesn't care what he says. He, he doesn't care if he offends you. He's gonna get it off his chest. But think what the part that that Spurrier was upset on, Jonathan was the fact nobody else knew about this was in existence, and Saban got to address the, the rules committee, was the only one really involved in this. Do you think that's where, where Spurrier's comments derive from? I do, and I don't blame Spurrier for that. He had every right to be teased about this. Everybody should be in the know when it comes to a rule change like this. And the fact that you know they kind of let Saban just come in like he owns the place and propose this, uh, you know, it, it would, you know, it would aggravate me too, uh, you know, and it takes somebody like Spurrier to come out and say it because we all know, you know, Jimbo or somebody like that wasn't going to come out and say it because, you know, they, they're going to play the whole, you know, well, we're really respectful card. The Steve Spurrier at this point in the career is like, what are you going to do, fire me? I'm the best coach South Carolina's ever had. You know, let, let me just you know, give my honest opinion really quick. Yeah, and, I, and I, again, I'll, I'll reiterate what we said a week ago, Trey, is, the, the teams that are, are better prepared, better in shape, or lighter, you know, they're not 400 pounds like some of these linemen in the SEC you see going, oh, they're, they're healthier. You don't see season-ending injuries. You don't see any issues with those guys. It seems to me the problems are with the overweight linemen on the defensive side of the ball or the offense get hurt trying to run this or defend it. So do you change a rule, Trey, to, to fit the defense, or do you – do you, do you force these defensive guys to make adjustments and get in shape and maybe get on the treadmill for 20 minutes a day instead of hitting all these weights and steroids? Well, I, mean, I don't even think the issues about that, Tarpon. I, I just don't see this as, an, as, a, as a health issue per se. I mean, these guys, like I said, the real risk of these players, especially with the sickle cell trade, is, is, in, is in practice and in conditioning drills when they get overworked, not during game and that's just it's just generally not how it works. There's there's far too many game breaks, television breaks, timeouts, substitutions. Yep. I mean, you need. Uh, so that's not the real issue. And in fact, I think if you're going to worry about player safety, there are far too many run run plays, especially out of uh, some of these these options that are, that are schools are running now, involving chop blocks to the guys' knees and that kind of stuff. I mean, so it, I mean, if we're going to do player safety. Let's deal with something we can actually quantify to watch people get injured. Yep. Yeah, how about adding a timeout? You know, Trey, I'd be all for, 
if you want to add a timeout to the game, you have three. Uh, you get three per half. Why not make it four? I mean, if that's what you want to do to kind of slow it down. But you said it. I, have you ever been to a football game uh, where they're televised on CBS or ESPN? I mean, these are ten-minute breaks. Sometimes these players get, and and they're not out there. They're not out there all the time. And I don't. I don't see any problem, Jonathan with a defensive player being on the field for eight snaps. Like, if you look at Auburn's offense, they're going to score probably within eight plays, somewhere around in that. That's not an eternity on the field, in my opinion. Tell tell Terrence Cody and Jesse Williams to get on the damn treadmill. I don't want to hear about the boy who's 350 pounds of nose tackle, but he's got 300 of it in snacks. Go work out. Go lose some weight. Put muscle on. If you were 300 pounds of solid muscle, you wouldn't have this issue. But you want to lug around, a, you know, a couple kegs around your stomach. Well, you're going to be out of shape. You're not going to be healthy. That's just that. That just comes down to the players themselves taking care of their bodies. And and you know, Greg Robinson, the offensive lineman for Auburn, that shot up out of nowhere this year. Maybe Trey, because he was in such good physical conditioning, he was able to run that forty in a good time and take care of himself. Never had an injury or anything. Because you know at Auburn they those offensive linemen run just as much as as anybody and 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 look at the line they're not big fat the belly's hanging over their belts those are big guys with a lot of muscle and they can run I think that's the difference you see Quanjo this time with all the talent in the world man he looked like like I said he was at Dunkin' Donuts for a couple of months sitting around eating so I think there's a, something to say for getting on a treadmill and actually working you don't have to be 400 pounds to be a great offensive lineman Trey. No, you don't. And you know, and Paul. If, and I'm looking in the chat room. Paul. If Paul's argument is that he just wants defenses to be able to sub, and he thinks that evens the playing field. I, I, I'm okay, Tarvin and, and Jonathan and, and Paul, with that argument. If you just want to level the playing field, the argument that really gets to me um, is the Billima and those guys saying that it caused these deaths in the past, and that's completely inaccurate and completely false. So I think if you just want to argue for a, an a, you know, equivalent rule, like, hey, defenses should get the sub and that's just the way it is and it should be fair, let's have that debate. I think that's the debate that is the most fair debate for this rule. I just don't – I don't like when you have, um, you know, flawed, you know, sort of arguments. Like when people say, well, everybody knows. It's just common sense. But if you have to say something like that, it's definitely not common sense and everyone doesn't know it. It's a flawed argument. So let's have well, the argument – I'm sorry, Trey. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, let's let's have the argument for this rule that we should be having, which is, you know, should defenses be put on the same playing field for substitutions that offenses have? I think that's the argument that we should be making. Yeah. Well, but they think have about that. Basketball. That rule's already in there. Yeah, it is. I want you to think about basketball a minute. You know, in basketball, you have the same players on the court going up and down. Unless someone calls a timeout or there's a dead ball or a TV timeout or a dead ball to, to make the TV timeout come, those guys are out there at risk, too. So you can't just throw a, a substitution in at any time in the game. There has to be a stoppage. And just like college football, if the offense substitutes, then the defense gets to. That's fair to me. If the offense substitutes, the defense does. And it, it, it's kind of an even playing field. Why should the defense get to sub and the offense trying to get in a rhythm? College football and offenses now are all about rhythm. You see players falling down on the on the floor, Jonathan, faking injuries to stop it. But, I mean, how boring would college football be if these offenses could never get into a rhythm and be able to move the football? 
Well, it would just be terrible football all the way around if an offense couldn't get into a rhythm. I mean, you see it in the NFL, you have to get into a rhythm. No matter what level of football you're playing, you're just going to keep stopping the game so the defense can throw out, you know, 11 new guys. That's not fair. I mean, if you're 11, can't beat their 11, then that's your own damn fault. You know, because y'all should, you know, there should be an equal playing field. When you're comparing Auburn to Alabama, talent-wise, there shouldn't be too much of a difference, if any. You know, so if you're 11 against their 11, and that's how it should be. I shouldn't have to bring on, you know, my 12, 13, 14 guy to try and beat your 11. That, come on. You know, if my 11's in shape, your 11 needs to be in shape, too. I shouldn't have to, you know, pander and slow down the game just for you. Well, well, guys, I thought about this, Trey, and, and Paul's making a point in the chat room saying most teams don't snap between 19 and 24 seconds anyway. He's right. He's correct on that. But it, it, but if you know as a defense, and to tell me if I'm wrong on this rule, Trey, what they're trying to propose, if you're the defense, can't you let the play clock get to 31 or 30 and then substitute? I mean, it, it kind yeah, of will yeah, delay, it'll, 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 it'll delay the snap. Even more, and that's the thing. If you're a, if you're in the huddle, Auburn snaps it around. What is it? Twenty seconds, twenty four, something like that. But the thing is, they hurry up to the line of scrimmage, allowing you not to substitute. Doesn't mean they have to snap it, but it kind of puts them at an advantage, keeping those fat guys on the field. Okay, so you wanted to load up the box on this one with the with some big guys. Well, guess what? Now you're going to have to keep them out here and do different packages with those guys. I just think it's a strategy, and I'm not saying this because Auburn's a fast-paced team. I promise you I'm not. I've always liked up-tempo teams, and, and the defense is going to have to adjust. You can't change a rule just because you're not recruiting the right talent. And, and Trey, we talked about this before. You know, you have all those five-star athletes on the field at the same time on defense. Isn't that putting some players at, at risk when you have Georgia State coming to to Tuscaloosa, and they're playing against a bunch of five-star defensive players. Couldn't that be a health concern? Well, I guess here's my point, and you may be right, and, and what the, Paul's argument in the chat room that these defensive linemen, they're so gasping all the time, and, you know, they're all just so injured, I guess, all the time, and, and they're all at health. They're, they're a little winded. Well, Tarvin, you know who's not coming a lot of times from these offensive drives? The offensive linemen. So um, I guess my point is, is you know, if it was a safety issue, wouldn't we be just as worried about the offensive lineman being on the field? I mean, do we want to enter in an automatic sub rule so any lineman more than three plays? I mean, if you're going to do something, make or for all the types of players that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. But, but Trey, or uh, Paul, excuse me, his problem, it seems like, is the offense can sub if they want to. But the way I look at it, so can the other team when they have the ball on the offense. So it's not just benefiting one team. This is, you, it could benefit you if you want to do the hurry-up offense on offense. So I, I just think this will never pass. And, and, you know, this is not a year for, like you said on the last show, Trey, this is not a year for changes, but – if it's an injury related, if it's a health or, or safety issue, it can be passed. So I'm interested to see what happens. And am, am I correct in saying if they if this gets voted and it gets shot down, can it ever be brought back to the table again, Jonathan? Um, I, be, I believe it can be brought back, but it'll need to be amended some sort. Um, you know, I don't think you can bring back the same rule again. You know, with the same exact wording and be like, well, you know, you didn't pass the first time, let's pass it this time. Mm, no. 
you know, they're going to need to change it somehow. And, you know, offensive players, if they substitute, the defense is allowed time to substitute. I mean, people keep forgetting about that. That's an actual rule. You know, we, we've seen, you know, refs just, you know, sit, stand over the ball because both sides need to be able to substitute if one's the, the offensive suit defense needs to. I, I don't understand what the big problem is here. You know, just like Trey said, offensive linemen can do it. Why can't defensive linemen? Yeah, that was a good point Trey brought up. But I just wanted to touch on this with everybody and see. Trey, are you ready to give your preseason projections yet for college football, or maybe we should wait a few months? What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> so we're, we're a little a little soon out, uh, so I for for that. But I, well, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready, ready, man. I would use the it all again. I'm joking. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go a lot more in depth this year with my with my previews. This year, last year, it just seemed like we waited too late. But we'll start at an earlier time. But it won't be February, guys. I promise you. It won't be March. Won't be April. Won't be May. Won't be June. But it'll be closer. But before we go, guys, I want to touch on some baseball real quick since we have Jonathan on the phone too, and I know he's he's foaming at the mouth to talk some baseball. And just real quick, Jonathan Garner. And the Yankees agreed a $52 million deal. Was this a smart move on the Yankees' part? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to lock Gardner up. But, man, the Yankees love spending money, don't they? They go out there and they complain, mm-hmm. you know, we can't break the $189 million, you know, the luxury, the luxury tax threshold. And, oh, let's just blow it off. I mean, we were going to pass. It was like 191 So let's just completely blow the doors off. Come on now. It's, the Yankees are ridiculous. you got to love the way that they can, you know, they BS bend any other team. And, Trey, I've never got your thoughts on this. What did you think about, or maybe we talked about it, what do you think the Braves moving from Turner Field, downtown Atlanta, to moving where is it, over in Kennesaw, how is this going to affect their attendance? Is Trey gone? Or is he on hey, mute? sorry about that. Hey, I was on mute. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot of new thoughts on it. I think the Braves' attendance is going to be just fine. We'll have to see uh, long-term if it needs anything, but I don't think short-term we're going to see a whole lot. Well, Jonathan, how are your Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay Rays now? I was going to call them Devil Rays. How's Tampa going to look this year coming in? Um, well, assuming that Longoria gets hurt like he does every year and that our pitching staff can somehow stay up to par, which they should. We have talent off the wazoo. The Rays should be the favorites to make the playoffs once again. You know, they're the only team the past four years to win 90-plus games every year. You know, it, it, it's a solid team. And the one thing about this team that I was really happy about was, can you know, we actually stayed constant for once. Our lineup's going to look the same as it did at the end of last year. Our pitching staff's going to look the same, except Hellickson being out, you know, until May, which, oh, gosh, no, not Hellickson, him in a five, you know, his 5-5 five, five ERA. But, yeah, and that's, I'm really excited to see how Myers does the whole season and what Hannigan can actually bring to this club and how Balcor looks to the closer, you know. Since we seem to have a new closer every year, it's great to welcome the Aussie back. Uh, I'm excited, and, you know, the great thing about this is that, you know, if we, if we can actually put something together this year, you know, we could wind up locking up Price long-term, which you know, the Homer Bailey contract might have just shot any chances of us getting Price for, you know, $120 million a year. But, you know, we'll, we'll be in the city of Tampa within the next five years. That's going to be announced. And with it, by the end of, you know, I'd say 2020, we'll probably be playing 
right next door to the Tampa Bay Times Forum uh, in Channel Side. Well, Trey, I know I know we're going to talk a lot of baseball in the future. When, when do you want to start doing our baseball previews and pre- uh, predictions, projections of each division? Yeah, I, I think we start March. next week, buddy. Yeah, I think we start next week. Next Sunday night, we're going to start our baseball Ooh. previews and everything. Give me a chance to to study up a week. I'm excited. You know, it's just all of a sudden baseball's here now, and it's it'll get it start getting excited. I like going to games early in the year, guys, because here in Atlanta, God Almighty, it's 150 degrees, and it's just hard to go out and watch watch baseball games. I was hoping Atlanta would build a dome and go to games. It'd be a lot more. It'd be much more pleasant going to a baseball game in a dome. You could go to I would actually get season tickets, Jonathan, if Atlanta was a dome team. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the one thing Tampa has going for them is that it is a dome right now. And if, when we do move to the city of Tampa, as we're in St. Pete right now, uh, we will build another dome stadium, which, I mean, that's really the best way to go when you're playing in the middle of the summer in the south. Well, I would like to get together, everybody, if you'd like to, Trey. Trey's closer to Atlanta now. Maybe Paul Ewing could come. You, Jonathan, come. Let's go watch a a Braves game. Maybe interleague if they play Tampa. That'd be a good one to go to. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. And and Paul said in the chat room, Trey, tourney times next weekend, he said, we can't start baseball, but we'll we'll do both. Trust me. Trey and I do a good, good NCAA March Madness show. Jonathan, hope you'll join us, too, for that. I love talking college basketball. But one thing I want to talk about before we go tonight, guys, just one little topic, and I just want an opinion from each of you. Uh, Miami Hurricanes in college football, they're looking into a possible violation, Trey, of a coach actually actually watching a workout from a distance, actually. Miami being in trouble the way they have been in the past, do you think this is a big deal? Uh no, <laughs> not really. I mean, it's kind of like uh, was it Oklahoma who had to submit violations for guys eating extra at the buffet line. I mean, some of these violations <laughs> are so minor, man. No, but I mean, Jonathan, I want your opinion on this, and then I'll give mine. I've lost all hope and faith. It, what little faith I had left in the NCAA is gone. I, I come on now. <laughs> My goodness, and of course it's Miami. I mean, of all the teams, let's see who we can pick on this week. You know, let's, let's pick on Miami again. There's, everybody seems to like enjoying bashing Miami. So let's bash Miami some more. You know, I'm starting to actually feel sorry for Miami. My, my hatred for them is kind of going soft because they can't win, and they're always in trouble. I, they, I mean, oh, gosh, why would you even go play down there? Yeah, but, guys, I'm looking at it like this. You're a coach you understand that this is illegal, this is a violation. And when you've been on probation, when you've broken the rules ever since the 80s that you've been in existence of relevancy, all of a sudden you have a coach doing this. And, and guys, I know you all think it's not a big deal, but to me it is. If you're on probation, that means you're on probation. That means you're doing stupid stuff like this, trying to gain an edge. And, guys, everybody does it. Don't, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. Miami's the only one, and they have been picked on. But Trey, when you're on probation with the law or something, and you do you 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 get a, a parking ticket, you're asking going back to jail. So I don't know. I don't I don't take it as lightly as you two do. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's because uh, I had the second helping at the buffet line the other day, and I felt like I was on NCAA probation. How, how about the Ohio <laughs> State player that that 
dipping skull on the sidelines, and they got a secondary violation. No. That happened a couple of years ago. It was either last year or the year before it was listed in their secondary violation. Someone was chewing tobacco or dipping skull, one of those. And uh, Gosh, I can never be yeah, on the college sideline. I know, John, yeah, but it'd be a, a major violation with you, Jonathan. You'd dip too much, let's say. You had too much in your mouth, so that would probably reduce your scholarships. Well, Trey, anything in closing right here, anything you want to discuss? No, just uh, Paul posted a story about the NFL Combine about the San Diego State running back who left, uh, looks like he left the Combine because God told him he was going to sign with the Seahawks. So he left the Combine, didn't finish it out. Uh <laughs> Well, well, hey, I forgot one thing. I I, I put on Facebook, I've got a message for all these youth coaches out there. Guys, I've been refereeing basketball a lot lately, and I I see these these men work with kids in basketball. My my first thing to you guys, if if you've never played the game or you don't understand the rules, please do not coach kids. Uh, I'm seeing so many coaches out here arguing with referees, about calls, and my God, they don't even understand that you can't go across that line on a free throw, step over it, or it's, it's illegal. So, I mean, look, I've been seeing it for for years, actually. I'm just bringing it up. If you're going to take time to work with kids, please be a good coach. Please understand the rules. Please teach these kids that you don't talk back to officials when you're 13 years old and argue with them. So I just wanted to throw that out there, Trey. Uh, I was refereeing a game yesterday in the semifinals, and and this coach was arguing with me about a free throw. His player stepped over the line, and I waved it off, and he he said he didn't know that was a rule. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, Tarvin, in my defense, it's a bullcrap rule, and I'm going to keep arguing with you every time. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I I was refereeing a game yesterday, and the team was down 18-2 at halftime, 18-2. And they came back and won the game in the last minute, and it, it, it was my fault, of course, being the official out there. I didn't, I didn't call it both ways, you know, at the end of the game. So I, I called some some kid his dreams of playing in the championship yesterday, John. Wow, you're you're a terrible human being, Brian. How could you do that? You, you crushed one um, kid's dreams and you, you raised another one. Gosh, terrible human being. Um, you should be fired. I know. There's some fans came down after the game trying to talk to me. I told them, I said, the best thing y'all can do is go to your car. Don't don't sit here and keep talking to me. But it, it was just fun when you call basketball. But but I don't, I don't know if y'all seen this show Friday night. Uh, what is it, Tykes, Trey? Have you seen that? Is that what it's called? Oh, God. Uh, I have not seen it, but I know what you're talking about. And these are eight-year-old kids out there playing football, and these coaches are just dog-cussing them. I mean, come on, coaches out there. If you're listening and you coach kids, and teach them to be respectful. Teach them to be men one day. I just want to throw that out there. That's a pet peeve of mine, and it's just it's just been building, so I had to say something. Um, guys, Wednesday night we'll do a show, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Paul, thanks for joining us in the chat room. Jonathan, thanks for joining us, co-hosting the show. Trey, great job as always, man, and we'll see you Wednesday night. Night, guys. See you guys.